ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast, Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra is proud to present the Marvel Studios Fanfare, Stephen Grant edition, a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Moon, 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 yeah, I'll trip it. That's great. Terrific. I love yeah, it. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thanks, yeah, thanks, great. Thanks. Yeah, all right, bruv. Latest oh, gator. Oh, Latest gator. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus God. Six weeks of this. Six. Six more weeks. Punk's Katani Phil has seen his shadow and he's predicted six more weeks of us doing Stephen Grant voices. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm so sorry. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Stephen Grant voice-a-rama that is our Moon Knight spoiler specials. Thank you to the four people who have continued to listen after that. Quite frankly, can you believe we didn't rehearse that? <laughs> Chaotic opening. Oh, couldn't tell. Uh, couldn't tell. It was smooth. Absolutely smooth. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I can guarantee that this is the wildest and weirdest Oscar-related activity yeah. you will see this week. In fact, you could even say... That this Oscar slaps. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Over the next six weeks, we will be breaking down each episode. I'm breaking down I'm just breaking generally. Down. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be breaking down each episode of Moon Knight, the latest MCU show on Disney Plus, of course. But the first to properly center around a major new character, one who will most likely be rubbing shoulders and capes with the Avengers at some point down the line. But would that be as Mark Spector or as Stephen Grant? But anyway, joining me to discuss all that are my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, all of whom have put glass in her shoes, <laughs> which is an act, I imagine, analogous to actually listening to that intro. Helen O'Hara. Hello. James Dyer. Hello. Hello, James. I'm terrific, thanks. Terrific, yeah. Great. Didn't How ask. you doing? Yeah. I don't really care, quite <laughs> frankly. And uh, Ben Travis. Hello there. Hey, hello, hello, hello. What's all listening? Ooh, ooh. Uh, full disclosure, before we continue, some of us here have seen the first four episodes as Marvel wanted this to get a broader sense of where the show was going, which is very, very unusual. And I applaud that and I respect that and I encourage them to do that for every yeah. MCU show. And in fact, film. Show me Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Four times. Just send me the link right now, Kevin. I know you're listening. But for the purposes of this, we will only be discussing the first episode. We will not be talking about two, three, and four. It's not fair to those of us in the room who haven't seen it for one thing, and it's not fair to you guys either. This episode, episode one, is entitled The Goldfish Problem. It is written by Jeremy Slater, directed by Mohamed Diab, and is the first episode of six that begin to tell the story of hard-bitten mercenary Mark Spector and his dark passenger, Ben Travis. Sorry, no, the Egyptian moon god Khonshu. Or, difference. <laughs> pretty much. Or is it because this episode doesn't introduce us to Mark Spector, but introduces us to Stephen Grant. Front and centre, there he is, the lead character of the show so far, and um, very different from the comic book version of Stephen Grant. Yeah. And I would say very lovable, a lead character mm -hmm. that you can really get your hooks into very, very quickly. Oh, uh, I would die for him already. Yeah. Already? Yeah. One episode in? Mm. He's just a charming, lovely guy, and what a performance from Oscar Isaac. It's crazy. I, I can't connect the Oscar Isaac I have in my mind, Poe Dameron, what's his name, Atreides, which were Duke Leto Atreides. How dare you? What's his name, Atreides? How dare you? That could be an actual Dune name for all we know. Um, <laughs> there is no call we do not answer. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to what's his name, Atreides? What happened to him? Oh, thingy happened. You know, he was naked and things happened. I think Helen blacked out at that point. It was, <laughs> <laughs> and who was she taken over by? Do you know what? Someone has to read up the whole of Dune. And you know, we are Atreides. There's no call we do not answer. No faith that we betray. You'll be the only thing you have to be. My, my son. son. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh no. This has to happen. Oh no, this absolutely not. has to happen. Oh, my word. Some, somehow, Palpatine has returned. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I had no idea. 
I mean, oh. my God. But the stature of Oscar Isaac, the, yeah. the weight that he carries, the way he holds himself on screen, that the physicality of the Stephen Grant performance, to see him sort of like shrink into himself, into this person that I genuinely wouldn't look twice at on the tube or on a bus, and yet it's Oscar actual Isaac, is crazy. Mm. A deeply handsome man, he shall is. I say. Yeah. yeah. It's like whenever I was uh, waiting to interview him and Ethan Hawke and, and May Kalamawi uh, for the interview special, which is up right now in our regular feed. If you haven't listened to it, it's a, an absolute belter. Also has an interview with Mohammed Diab. But I was waiting in the studio for him to arrive, and I was just glanced out the window through the through the glass window that you know you, through which you can see the corridor, and I looked at the stairwell, and Oscar Isaac walked up the stairs with sunglasses on at nine in the morning, and you know just his hair slick, and I was just like, that is a handsome man. It's a good job he was wearing those sunglasses because the full beam would oh, have turned you to stone it. It immediately. It yeah. was for everyone else's protection. That's true. <laughs> This is true. Uh, but yes, Stephen Grant, let's, let's leave the accent to one side for the time being, although it you really can't. works. You can't. <laughs> you cannot separate the man from the accent. And this is how I love the idea that they wanted to do something different. They wanted to distance him from, let's be honest, he's like a cookie cutter, generic Bruce Wayne type in the comic books. He's not particularly exciting. Uh, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist type. But to take him and make him this outside character and then go full Enfield for no real reason... It's Enfield, genius. not Renfield. Not Renfield. No, he didn't go full Renfield. He's gone full Enfield. But well, like that, there's twitches of Renfield. Perhaps a touch of it. Do you think he eats bugs? He might. It's hard to say what they get up to in Northeast London. But look, <laughs> look. I just, I, it's magnificent, and, and I applaud the fact that, and I genuinely, the fact that he stayed in character. Well, maybe not in character, but he stayed in accent for a full month while doing this brings me so much joy that I would give absolutely anything to have been able to just follow him around and watch him just live his life as Oscar Isaac talking like Stephen See, Grant. I it must have been amazing. That. It, can you imagine? Like, oh, I want to believe or it's going true. going into the news agent. It's yeah. like Oscar, uh, but it could be Oscar Isaac because he had a very, very strong Northeast London accent. So. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I wonder like, whether you would... I, I genuinely think people might not have realised who he was because there's something about when he has the accent on and he takes on the slightly slouch mannerisms of Stephen, all of his star power just kind of fades away. Like it's almost like, and I don't even, I could, I was trying to work this out when I watched it again. When he becomes Mark Spector, does his hair change? Like does his hair, or does it no, just feel like his really. hair? Because his hair feels all like must in a non-sexy way when he's Stephen. Then suddenly it's like attractively tussled when he's Mark. I mm. did have a bit of a wonder if they slightly, and I don't know how to describe this, but like powdered down his eyebrows a little bit. Something. They feel less prominent when he is he looks Stephen. Like he's super tired. Yeah, 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 I mean, he does. Yeah, he, de- he, but does. That, he definitely does that, and maybe they play that down a little bit. But I don't, I don't think that's the difference. I think it's more like his features get stronger. Well, and it is, look, a lot of it is the kind of Christopher Reeve-style yeah, body language Exactly what I was going to say. Like, you know, when he takes off the glass and he just almost grows like yeah. three inches. Like that transformation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But it feels a lot like that. Like when he changes, the complete shift in his demeanour is, is magnificent. If we're all a bit Stephen Grant, if we're all honest with ourselves, why don't we just try standing like Oscar Isaac, like full-on Oscar Isaac? If we start trying to stand like... Well, like say, well, like Mark, like Mark Specter. Yeah, be more Mark. Just like, be more, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ben. Ourselves. I want to be more Stephen than Mark. I want yeah. to be more Oscar than either. <laughs> That's fair. This that is, is true. true. But I, yeah, I genuinely, Stephen Grant may be my favourite character in the MCU at this point. I love him unreservedly. <laughs> and it's got to point though, like when, and this is kind of going ahead a little bit and I don't want to do that. Don't. But I'm just, no, no, I'm not spoiling things. I'm just saying when Mark takes over, I feel a bit deflated and I'm just waiting for Stephen to come back. And I wrote this in the review. Like I genuinely, I was like, bring back Stephen, bring back Stephen. Uh, uh, I need him. Well, I guess, I guess it's fair Holy. game in a way, because of my interviews in the interview special, which you can hear right now, uh, I did talk a little bit about the idea that, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the decision to start with Stephen and to keep Mark Spector, who is, I guess, the core personality of this yeah. new hero, this Moon Knight in the comic books. Mark is the, is the Mark is the real person, and Stephen and the other personalities that yeah. are in there, because there are there's at least one more that we haven't met yet. Um, that I haven't seen in the show. Mm. I'm just going to say that. But in the comic books, there is a yeah. cab driver <laughs> called Jake Lockley, I believe, um, who goes around keeping his ear to the ground for crime. Sure. Bollocks. Sure. Is, sure. Is, 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 yeah. <laughs> Moonlight's got a lot of potential, but there's an awful lot of bollocks as well, which they have nicely circumvented <laughs> yeah. uh, for the show. But the decision to start with Stephen, I think, is really, really bold and, and brave because 
there's another version of this where you start with Mark yeah. and where Mark is you know that that random generic hard-bitten mercenary with a deep mm. voice who kills people you know without batting an eyelid but instead we get to meet this guy who is completely atypical for the superhero genre mm. and is just this little wonderful nerdy mm. little fellow who to whom I relate more than I do <laughs> Mark Spector but as I said in the interviews with with Oscar and I and, and Ethan and May and Mohammed ordinarily Stephen would be a character that you kind of bypass quickly to get to the cool grizzled guy yeah. and you don't I think it's fair to say that for the episodes going ahead that Stephen is very much the heart and the focus of the show I mean in some ways I think that gives it a bit more of the superhero-y flavour because this show I do think feels quite different for Marvel it's a different very different kind of character and very different kind of story and yet it has the wish fulfillment element of like what if you were like ordinary guy slightly meek British guy and then suddenly you found out you were not only a buff American soldier dude but also a conduit for the ancient Egyptian god Khonshu. <laughs> everyone's, you know, everyone's deep down wish. Yeah. We've all wanted that. But it yeah. has that, I, I don't know, the 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 Peter Parker thing, the the yeah. like the transformation from the ordinary person to the extraordinary. But that's person. it. That's exactly what's missing from Mark Spector because frighteningly competent killing machine turns supernatural warrior is not that it's not a huge massive leap, is it? Yeah. A, a leap. And and we have had that a few times in the comic books and not just uh, Marvel but the DC and stuff as well. Almost something like Spawn has a, a bit of that mm. about it you know it, it's not that great a leap it doesn't feel that extraordinary it feels more like well you were really good at killing people on earth therefore we're giving you these supernatural powers or this magic whatever and you're going to be able to do whatever it like it it's not as satisfying a transformation as a peter parker or as a stephen grant but it's quite fun even before you bring in the moonlight that kind of like that play on the born thing where obviously in the born films he fucks people up and it's like how did i just do that like this has just come back to me where he just he just feels a bit dizzy and then everyone's lying around him and pulls back he's like oh shit what have i done like it's like it's brilliant it's just inherently funny i cannot overstate how adept his physical comedy mm. in, is in this like from the moment where you know when he first meets Arthur Harrow and he says in whatever language it is essentially kneel before Amit and everyone kneels down and he's like oh, oh bollocks oh bollocks <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so perfectly timed and, and it is also brilliantly punctuated by what I always say every time I step into the studio oh god the idiot's back as Murray Abraham oh god very much in mythic quest form I thought he's, yeah. um, he's on good he's Amazing. doing well, well here there are, and we should probably address the the symbiote elephant in the room. And there are shades of venom in this relationship. Venom. Uh, why have we sparked this? Yeah. We should go skinny dipping. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, why have we sparked this? Because I, I, I sense we have that we really like this first mm. episode and we like yeah, this setup. That's great. Yep. Uh, why are we sparking to this in a way that we have we haven't sparked with Venom, but uh, certainly there are other people out there. Because <laughs> uh, not very good. <laughs> I mean, there's James getting right to with the with the technical stuff right away. It's it's well made with a good character who we like and doesn't have this weird broy energy and it doesn't show Conchu as this weird like globby orb that comes out of his chest and talks to him face to face in a still way that time. is just so deeply visually unappealing. Uh, yeah, I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, Ben is Ben is uh, he's no friend of Venom. No. no, no. If you eat chickens, you're not my friend. Actually, I eat chickens, shit, but not like non-cooked ones. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go and lie down in a lobster tank, Ben. I yes, think please. you feel a lot better. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, That's I mean... up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It has it has it has slight echoes of Venom. Venom isn't charming, and Eddie Brock is not Stephen Grant. So. Mm. And maybe the difference is Eddie Brock isn't particularly charming when no, we meet him. Not. Stephen Grant is charming. He's not. Um, uh, even his whole avatar thing, mm. <laughs> when he goes from blue people, love them to, oh, anime. Like, no, wrong on both counts. But. Yeah. So um, so what do we feel then? Because there, I'm, I'm not going to give anything away, but obviously there is a Moon Knight in this. Uh, he, he turns up and mm. starts beating the shit out of, in this case, in this episode, a giant <laughs> Egyptian jackal creature. <laughs> um, and is there a sense that, you know, it might get a little less interesting once Moon Knight starts turning up and starts doing his Moon Knight thing or once Mark Spector turns up and starts doing his Mark Spector thing? Yeah, I think there's... 
I think that they need to keep the balance right, don't they? Between um, between Moon Knight, between Mark Spencer, and between Mark Spencer. Spencer. Ooh, Betty. <laughs> you say that, but all the way through this, I was like, when I first heard the trailer, I was like, oh my god, he's gone full Frank Spencer. What is happening? <laughs> Conchu's done a whoopsie. <laughs> it really is. I couldn't get my head around that. But then also, you know, if they were going to go with that accent, they could have just cut out the middleman and just cast Gary Oldman because that's basically how he talks. So. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Isn't he South London? Huh? Yeah, but he's still got a bit of that, like, you know, all right, all right. sounds a bit like Gary Oldman. All right. That's yeah. a, there you go. That's, that's apparently <laughs> that's a Gary Oldman impression. Spot on Gary Oldman impression. Spot on Gary Oldman. What about Tim Roth? Should we do Tim Roth? Tim Roth and Gary. Tim Roth loves a bit of broth. It's true. Good Lord. Anyway, anyway, to quit Tim Roth, I'm fucking dying here. You were, before you were so rudely I, I'm sure I had a point I do remember sure I, no I, I think basically I, I just hope they get the balance right between all of these competing personae um, that will be the key going forward won't it it'll be the it'll be do we have too much Mark Spector and does it become too generic you know tough man does yeah. things or do we have too much um, if, if there is such a that thing I was about to say that what you're about to discuss is an impossibility Stephen Grant who just sort of flaps around and doesn't accomplish anything <laughs> you know that's perfect continue. he flaps around he does and flap around I love <laughs> I love so much about this performance I love so much about this character yeah. I love the specificity of the, the the accent I love the fact that I can finally say specificity without dislocating my jaw <laughs> so impressive that's a good thing because mm. for years that was like a word I had to take a big do you think that's what up. happened to his jaw when he landed oh, I in love the that that is so weird yeah. what is well, I'm he tried to say specificity my, and that's where it all went wrong my assumption from that bit is that he's jumped out of that window yeah. and landed and dislocated his jaw but that is my favourite moment in the episode when he's suddenly wet and he's, he just waves at them and the, the henchman just kind of absolutely slightly waves back before pulling out his Uzi and shooting yeah. him well no the other henchman has to come to him and go what the fuck are you doing yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's so presumably he will have jumped out the window as Moon Knight right well maybe he changed back mid-air or maybe he was just doing. Well, no, I don't think they've seen Moon Knight. I think they've only seen Spectre because they were like a guy. But there interrupted. might have been a like mid jump transformation. But I they, don't know, can they he do basically. It that uh, you'd think that he would have mentioned to Arthur, isn't it? By the way, the guy who interrupted and stole it was a massive, great mummy, super powered thing. Like you'd think that would have come up. But point. not necessarily because they saw him outside the window. They didn't necessarily have to see him in. The, I assume they were chasing him, doing. and that's when he. Well, yeah, but out. they yeah. doesn't mean they saw him up close. They could have been chasing him. They could have been chasing a figure. Then they look out the window. They see a figure. They put yeah. one and he's three together. He's not exactly inconspicuous though in his white outfit, cape, and glowing eyes. No, but I want him, and can he transform during the day? Well, I don't well, know. That's, that's a very comics. good question. I don't know if Helen. he could. Maybe mm. not. That's, that's, but clearly. Konshu has some degree of control. Konshu's still kind of around. We see him on mm. that shot on the Strand, which, by the way, we'll be coming back to when we discuss the bus scene. <laughs> we'll be discussing much about London geography in this. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I don't know. Can if he can transform during? I'm just saying. Look, there is a theor- There is a possible theory where there is either a, a transformation during the jump, which in some way protects him somewhat from the fall. Or that he was Moon Knight inside, potentially, and then jumped out the way. He did land I in a meadow. Like, it's, it's probably springy. A lovely meadow. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that's how jumping out of, like, what, sixth floor windows ah, works, fine. James. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like you're very but that's wrong. why that's why the landing just knocked the spectre right out of him. Yeah, Jaws yeah. are surprisingly absorbent. I, I don't think again. That's, I don't think that's how Jaws work. Um, mm. A great film, though. And I, I, I saw that movie, and they fired lots of barrels into it, and it was totally fine. And then it exploded. But, it you know. did explode, though. <laughs> it took a while. It'll, anyway. It'll take a while um, to come back from that. Yeah, it's I, true. I can't remember if he... So yeah. I don't know I don't know yet if, if he can transform. I guess you guys maybe know in, in the following episodes if he can transform during the day. But um, So that might answer both our questions. I'm not going to so. say anything about anything. Okay. Um, I'm just going to keep it to, the, to this episode. But what I was saying, and you've raised lots of questions mm. about how much Mark Spector is in charge, how much Stephen Grant is in charge, how much Conchu is in charge. If it isn't any of those three, who might it be? We'll get into that in a second, but I was also talking about the specificity because now I can say that word. I'm just going to say it a fucking <laughs> so ton. So impressive. Specificity. What's the word I really can't say? What's the word, Um, you know, um, anthropomorphize? Anthropomorphize. Fucking no way. There's a poe in there, you see. I think you might be Anth- lifting that. Okay, do it again. Anthropomorphized. Anthro? Anthropomorphized. 
No. Uh, so the specificity of the <laughs> British references, not the British geography, no. the British references, yes. because little things like, you know, like uh, Donna saying, I didn't know you'd taken a crack, which is, you know, there's just little, oh, I love Donna. little things that just feel very, very British. And Jeremy Slater isn't British to my knowledge, uh, but presumably he's lived here for a while uh, or lived here at various points. The obolics, you know, you know, when Mark's putting on his uh, shirt to go yeah. out for his date, he goes, oh, you look like a knob, you know, just little I feel, things. I feel someone did a geezer a pass on the a screenplay. Pass. Yeah. 100%. Guy Richie's yeah, come exactly. in. Gazer, gazer, gazer. Also, his little like code the pyramid switch. pyramid of gazer. <laughs> his code switch to the security guard as well, where he suddenly drops bruv into his yeah, chat yeah, a lot yeah, more. Yeah. It's just to kind of bond with another with a fellow man. You know, yeah. adorable. Loved all that stuff. Also, can I just say the little old lady in the lift? Superb piece of British person conversation. Uh, yeah, it's. Absolutely flawless that scene where he's he's sort of like completely you know in pieces. Obviously, she gets in extremely nervously. He tries to be you know reassuring. I've, I've I've lo- just lost my contact lost, lens. Lost his contact lens and tries to make small talk, which only makes her more nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're both trying to be terribly polite, and uh, it's just brilliant. It's so well done. I did think one of the few things I didn't like about the episode was I thought she overplayed her nervousness when she was trying to get into the the flat. I thought that was a little overplayed. Maybe, but, but, but I think that maybe just plays up the fact that he's being a complete weirdo by that point. Yeah. So I was willing to allow it. Should we talk about uh, the really arresting opening of this episode? And in mm. fact, the fact the series as a whole, which introduces us to Arthur Harrow. Now, yeah. Arthur Harrow is a character who appeared very briefly in one issue of a Moonlight comic, I believe, way back in the 1970s. So whenever it was revealed that Ethan Hawke was playing Arthur Harrow, people immediately went, well, he's not playing Arthur Harrow. He's playing a different character and they're just using Arthur Harrow as a decoy. But I think this is also something that that Shang-Chi found, which is that Shang-Chi's relative obscurity in the comic book has allowed him to reinvent things and to take characters who are relatively obscure and give them prominence. And Ethan Hawke... He's right there at the beginning of the episode, yeah. preparing his mind and his body. Going full then, John McClane. And then going full, bit, yeah, bit by Dylan. Joyce. Yeah, yeah <laughs> bit, of Bob, bit of Bob Dylan. Um, in fairness, when I listen to Bob Dylan, I want to put glass in my shoes. Glass. Oh. <laughs> Come on. So that is, the, in fact, the equivalent of what Bob Dylan sounds like when he, hey, glass in my shoes. <laughs> Definitely a bit of a Saint Maud vibe as well. Lots of yes. Just, yes. Just foot hurtiness. I I did have questions about like he 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 sort of mashes that glass really mm. efficiently with one blow. I felt like the the the, the glass was not well made. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, it didn't feel it didn't feel like high quality glass. I mean, I get that he's got the full weight of Amit behind. That's his right, blow, the divine but, power you know, of his staff. It still seemed like that was. Pr- very thoroughly pulverized. <laughs> Do you think he does it so that he has a reason to have Amit's cane? No. Why? Why do we think he does it? Why do we think he is he doing it to to have pain all the time to th- remind himself I of think it's mortality? To show, yeah, I think it's shorthand show, for zealotry. It's isn't a, it? a shorthand yeah. for zealotry. It's the same way that you you got people who used to wear hair shirts mm-hmm. and um, and nettles and f- you know um, flog themselves daily and that kind of thing. It's, Self-flagellation. It's, yeah, it's to show that he is a, he is not a, a good. I mean, I feel like we don't learn a huge amount about that character in this episode, but we do get a sense of, yeah, what he's like. That as a way of opening the episode and a way of like, I feel like there wasn't a huge amount of like brutality in this episode. We've had Mm. that Kevin Feige telling us in the magazine, like Moon Knight is a brutal show, which is intriguing. Um, But that as a way of opening it, the, the, the shoes full of glass and the crunching effects, it, it feels visceral without it kind of being in your face visually so that plus then this sense of him as this cult leader who has these people kind of gathered around him with all this firepower I feel like he's a character they've set up quite well in terms of his his stature and what he's about while also not knowing a huge amount about no him. one, no one would follow a man wearing those sandals. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, and wouldn't. yet, and yet, people have followed very badly dressed cult leaders <laughs> with history, lots of sandals. That's you know. very, very true. Um, but, but, can we talk about him a little bit mm. and his plan? Which I have to say, I think Thanos would approve of. Ugh. So, his whole thing with the little tattoo and the scales—that he judges people whether they're good or bad. But he not just Amit does. Amit does. Amit judges whether, but not, but throughout the whole of their lives. So, whether they will be good or bad. So, it's got a bit of a pre-cog, pre-cog thing yeah. going. Yeah. Well, yes, but also I do have questions about 
Amit's judgment? Like, is she <laughs> actually judging whether they're good or bad yeah. or whether they're going to support her or not? Well, this well, well let's assume let's assume that it's based on some kind of objective I, morality. No, look, okay, so the, the mm. story in, in the you know Egyptian mythology is yes, that they threw the hearts to Amit. Some she would stand beside a lake of fire. Now some stories have the, her throwing the hearts into the lake of fire, some have her devouring them. Either way, Heart got destroyed and you were left. It was a second death and you got left sort of like, oh no, haunting. Um, it was bad, basically. You didn't get to go <laughs> on to the afterlife. Good. It was not good. And Amit herself was made up of the three worst man-eaters that the Whoa. ancient Egyptians Whoa, Yes. No, not Beyonce. That's Nelly Furtado. Oh, Nelly sorry. Nelly Furtado. See, this is, unfortunately, unfortunately, you just, just, just shone a light on my lack of knowledge of <laughs> wow. pop music. We both went for very different musical references. <laughs> <laughs> so, she is part crocodile head, obviously. Four gro- Nelly Furtado? No. <laughs> no, she's Maybe. like a bird. She wants she's to fly like away. Bird, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, I think it's crocodile, lion, and... I've forgotten the other one. Is it eagle or hippo? Anyway, one of the other things that like kills people. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It's scary. It's not a good person. But So maybe what I'm saying is you're trusting that yeah. Amit's judgment is correct because that's the kind of thing you do. You just assume <laughs> that anybody who's wiping out half of mankind is probably it's okay. Morally justified. Yeah, I'm and, just saying, and I'm like, not so convinced. On balance, on balance, I probably would be more team Amit than team Thanos because Thanos was very random. Oh, was okay. This is slightly more targeted and actually I'd be like, okay, okay. I mean, if you are going to get rid of half the population, I mean, the evil ones seem like a decent place to start, right? Like, that yeah, who's seems the like center evil? Move. That who's, old lady. Amit does. Amit does. Oh no, she has shifty point. eyes. That old lady, you could tell. You you she was are trusting Amit's mm. judgment way beyond yeah. we have seen reason to do so. He's a seller. Check his shoes for glass. <laughs> yeah. Check his arm for a weird That's tattoo it. of some scales. <laughs> some scales on my arm. Too. <laughs> ben, hold my cane. <laughs> I've, I've said before, no thank you, James. <laughs> We've talked about this, James. we talked about this. Uh, the decision to move the Arthur Harrow uh, intro, the prologue, uh, Mohammed Diab said was actually at the beginning of episode two initially Ooh, uh. and they thought it was so effective and so striking that they moved it to the beginning of episode one and then I can see why they did it because it really really works it's a fantastic introduction to your what we think is going to be your, your chief antagonist but the rest of the episode is so tethered to Stephen's POV I don't think there's a single scene in which Oscar Isaac doesn't feature do we think that somewhat breaks the illusion because I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of is this all in his head but is it, Arthur Harrow in his head a little bit? And if we see Arthur Harrow independently of Stephen, does it ruin the Okay, illusion? but if you if you want to come at it that way, you know, you see that and then you see Stephen waking up. So it could absolutely be a dream. But it's also separated by the opening credits. So you have that kind of buffer zone. By the other lovely Marvel Studios logo. No fanfare yeah. this week, so we had to provide our own. And the Humperdink, Humperdink, Humperdink song. Mm. Um, so uh, Engelbert Humperdink. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. the person who sings the song. Yes. Um, uh, but I'm a Princess Bride fan. Oh, anyway, that, my point course, being yes. that the inconceivable. <laughs> so you could see it as a dream if you want, but you also have that buffer zone, so it doesn't feel well, forced or unnatural. They don't want us to be able to tell the, tell the difference between <laughs> his waking life and, and dreams. dreams. All right, we're allowed to do that one per episode. <laughs> <laughs> one per episode. Can we talk about the living statue? Oh, yeah. oh. Where, where jugglers. Was, where was that? Where, like, I couldn't work out where it was. That's because it wasn't in London. Yes, it's it was not meant, London. It was <laughs> like, meant. I think it was meant to be that arcade near near Warner Brothers. Okay, right? fine. Because I was like, where is this? And the answer is probably Budapest. The, but, the, yeah. the, the answer is Budapest. But I think but you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love the conversation he has with it, and I love the thing which is like, you know, if I am to get a girlfriend, like eventually, obviously, I can't have an ankle restraint on my bed. That's the definition <laughs> of a red flag, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> so like that. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> and you were like, good advice? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <right>. self, remove <laughs> ankle restraint. <laughs> Whoever decided that in the writer's room where they were like, do you know what, we need an excuse for like Stephen to just monologue at somebody and just share all his weird inner thoughts. And whoever said, <laughs> make it a living statue guy painted <laughs> in gold. Absolutely. Yeah. Super. Yes. Super the rest good. Of the day I wish it had been that, that weird Yoda yeah. using yes. the levitating Yoda. I hate the levitating Yoda. It's not canon. He does not float with a long cape. And also, what are, what are like, you doing? It doesn't make any sense because they they use the 
these crappy, cheap uh, prosthetic hands that are a different color from their crappy, cheap prosthetic face. And it's so annoying every time you go past them. We'll walk past them. We're going to oh. do a tour of London later, the four of us, and walk past all the floating Yodas and be like, that's not canon. And push no. them over. No, no. What we're going to do is each one of us will pick one, sit next to them and tell them all our personal problems, even the Stephen Grant yeah. voice, and see if they break character. Because I love that because there, there's moments where you can tell that there's, he's staying absolutely stock still, like a statue, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can kind of see the anguish in his face. <laughs> what is also, going I on? want to know if he actually has feelings, reciprocal feelings I towards I, um, Stephen. Yeah, I'm hoping there'll be more of that because like, it's it's super duper cute. And and the fact that Stephen does go out of his way to make sure that the people taking the picture with the statue do leave oh, a tip. You know, a he nice is a considerate guy. guy. He's lovely. Such a lovely, I also lovely love that guy. he is a vegan and Mark is clearly not. I wonder <laughs> if he has digestive problems, if he spends too long in one <laughs> like a cow, persona. he's got two stomachs. <laughs> I would be fascinated to, <laughs> to know why you think that would help. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it's like Phil Collins, he's got two hearts. And as Bruce Springsteen taught us, two hearts are better than one. Wow, mm -hmm. okay. Well, the, then do the doctor will be thrilled to hear this. Do you think he's like Alan and he's got two dicks? This isn't a Disney animation, you know. He isn't in this. Wait, what Disney animations have what you been watching? What are we talking about? <laughs> Alan. Alan Tudyk. Oh, oh, oh okay. I didn't get that joke at all. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. He makes it every time he's mentioned. Have I you not been no, in the office I ever? I didn't get it at all. Oh. Two dicks by name. Two dicks. Two yeah. dicks by nature. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, um, I'm sure we were discussing something. We were discussing uh, the televisual triumph that is the <laughs> new Disney Plus MCU <laughs> show, Moon Knight. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And obviously people have sent in lots of questions as well. We'll get to those mm. in a few seconds. But we have questions ourselves, don't we, folks? About the geography. About the geography. Should we get to that now? I, I, I have other questions about how much Mark knows and how much who's in control and what happens when Stephen isn't there, when he loses time to use the parlance of primal fear, mm. Director Gregory <laughs> Hoblet. Um, but let's talk about the geography of... Uh, as Stephen says, London. <laughs> Don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my my. Okay, so I'm I'm a little bit confused on the museum. They made the museum look pretty much like the British Museum, but I believe it's not called the British Museum. It's not. Well, I am going to reveal something from episode two. Okay. <laughs> it is called the National Art Gallery of London. Yeah. Which is <laughs> in in the bullshit stakes is absolutely up there with the Museum of Great Britain yeah. from Black Panther. And it's essentially oh. the National. Is the Portrait Gallery the one that's on Trafalgar Square? It is, no, yeah. that's well. The, yes, it's the well. Actually, no. The, the bit you're thinking of is the National Gallery. Okay, gallery. okay. The, National just the National Portrait Gallery, gallery. is contiguous one, with it, but is not is off to one side. Excellent use of the word contiguous. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so, okay. So it's in the place. It's in Trafalgar Square where the National Gallery is. It has the stuff in it that the British Museum has, which they stole from all the people that the British conquered. Just <laughs> yeah, FYI, thank you, Helen. Um, uh, borrowed. Long term, yeah, right. lots of it's IOUs. Alone, Helen. They lots will of IOUs. not give it back. They have been repeatedly asked to give a lot of stuff back, and they keep saying no. As Jim Carrey says in Dumb and Dumber, those IOUs are as good as money. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's anyway, all good. we don't have time to get into all of colonialism now. So let's just skip ahead and say that National Art. National Art Gallery? National Art Gallery of London. Of London. Of London. Okay, yeah. but a lot of this isn't art, it's more relics, so yeah. I have a problem with that. It makes no okay. sense. I mean, I mean, I guess it's both technically. <laughs> None of it, I mean, it's not, I mean, yeah. It's, also, exactly, a it's national just... something of London. Yeah. Yeah. London is not a nation. I love that this is a shit that takes people out of the TV show <laughs> about a man who turns into a living yeah. Egyptian god. Okay, so there is a Terry Pratchett quote about this, and I'm slightly misquoting, but when they when they came up with the uh, Discworld map of Ankhmore Pork, the capital city of Discworld, oh, cool. he'd, always, he'd always resisted there being a map of Discworld at that point. There, there has been one since. But anyway, Ugh. he'd always resisted it. and he, But he gave in and allowed them to create a map of Ankhmore Port because he said, you know, you can be vague about the location of the Mountain of Dreams, but you need to know your way to the Dreams. post office. <laughs> and it's, it's honestly, it's a similar thing here. You can be vague about the nature of the powers of the Egyptian god Khonsu, but we all know that this <laughs> but we all know that this should be the British Museum and it should be just north of Tottenham Court Road, which is not where he gets off the bus, but it should be where he got, gets off the bus. Where does he live? Where's his flat? He lives in Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man selling brooms, right? Are you, are you just going to right outside the door? No, that's fine. That's all good. I mean, honestly, if he lived in like Bloomsbury and was walking to the British Museum, that would make sense to me. That that room could be a sort of garret somewhere in Bloomsbury. He clearly has income as Mark Spencer, which helps to supplement his income as Stephen Grant, Spectre. which means he can. 
Did I say Spectre? Spencer, again? Said Spencer again. <laughs> oh, please keep yeah. calling him Mark Spencer. No, I, 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 anyway. I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you next time. <laughs> I love it. I'll be a first for everything. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, you do too. Don't worry. Um, keep all this in. Keep all this in. <laughs> She's so unprofessional. She's left me no cutting points. So it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Ellen's in mercenary mode. Yeah. So, Mark Spectre's money is clearly sponsoring Grant's lifestyle. If he can afford that kind of a flat somewhere in zone one or two, he's getting money from somewhere. Even though it's a bit crummy, it's not that crummy. And oh, he's it's in an attic flat. That's yeah, but nice. like it's quite spacious. I mean, the rent you know? on that must be catastrophic. It would be enormous. It would be enormous. Yeah. That's not museum gift shop wages. No, so maybe no. the Stephen Grant persona thinks he's getting supplement supplemental money from his mummy. Well, he, he speaks but, to his mum at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he speaks yeah. to his mum's answering yeah. machine hey. at the very latest. Yes. At the very least. One of my many questions. We'll get to that. But please, again, mm. geography, continue. Geography, right. So <laughs> that looks like a kind of Bloomsbury garret. It totally could be. But I, I, he's coming from west of Charing Cross on that bus. That's where he's driving. He's, the bus is going east past Charing Cross. That's the south side of the Strand. Mm-hmm. When Conshu appears outside the bus window. And he gets off outside Tottenham Court Road, which isn't Tottenham Court which Road. Which isn't Tottenham Court Road, but Tottenham Court Road, like, that makes no sense. You wouldn't be on the strand no. if you were going to Tottenham Court Road. That's crazy, crazy. Does he at any point pass Thor when he's on the tube? Well, this <laughs> is my feeling. This isn't our world. This is a different alternate uh, version of London. This is multi-first shit. And in this version of London, no you can get to Greenwich from Charing Cross true. in three stops. You could get to Greenwich from Charing Cross in three stops if you took the train at the time when Thor the Dark World was made. You just couldn't do it by tube. Yeah. I'm just saying. Lies. Anyway. All lies. 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 My point None being that the bus route makes no sense. It was upsetting. I'm trying to get over it. Fair enough. All right. So there are many other questions. Many, many other questions. Who is Stephen talking to on the phone? Who is he leaving messages for? His mum. I think he's leaving I messages don't for think no it one. Is his mum. I think he thinks he has a mum. Okay. And I'm not sure he does, but it's lovely that he thinks he does. Yes, Stephen Grant of the gift shop. Who uh, I, I want him to have a mum, but obviously he doesn't have a mum. So whenever he, whenever we see him lose time and he wakes up in. I want to say Switzerland? It looks like it's meant to be, right? Yeah. It looks like it's meant to be Alps. Alps, yeah. So he wakes up somewhere. Mm. That's clearly Mark has been out and about taking control of the body and going, right, I'm going to investigate this Arthur Harrow guy because of reasons. But there are other moments when he loses time, like he doesn't seem to recall asking the yeah. girl out, yeah. Dylan, I uh, believe is her name. And, and, and no point did you say, why are you asking me out in an American accent? <laughs> well, this is the thing, because I'm thinking now, because he also goes into the gift, the, the pet shop, right? He goes into the pet yeah. shop, she says you, you were, were here yesterday. Mm-hmm. So whoever is going into that shop and having conversations with people is doing so in Stephen Grant's voice. Mark Spector can presumably but put then, on a voice, like he's a you know secret agent type, right? But why would he do that? Why would Mark Spector yeah. go to buy it? And why would he care about making Stephen, like trying to cover up the fact that he's been controlling the body from Stephen? Like, why would he care? I think he's just, I think he's maybe trying to keep Stephen happy. I think, right, so I don't know yet. I, like, I haven't seen all the episodes, but it feels like Mark has maybe not, Consciously created. Consciously. Steven. <laughs> sure. Um, but so he, he like, loses consciousness. He, he knows like that, that Stephen exists, and I think there's he sees a value in Stephen being the dominant personality right then. You think? I think so. And therefore he's therefore the fish is part of keeping Stephen happy. I th- I got the sense that the whole like the idiots in charge thing yeah. is let's just make sure that as far as he can Stephen doesn't know that he's sharing a body with anyone else, and so is trying to cover his own tracks. Has been, yeah, I think that has been the case. I think that's beginning to fall apart, obviously, yeah. in this episode. Conshu talking to him directly probably doesn't help with that. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> but I think that I think that has been the case for whatever period of time before we join this show. They've clearly been, for whatever reason, lying low, and Stephen's been their cover, right? Mm-hmm. Surely, yeah, because he'd yeah. have to have. An insurance number. He'd have to have a paper trail. He has to have a backstory. So Stephen, but here's the thing: I don't think Stephen is a character. I don't think Stephen is a persona that Mark Spector and Conchu have created. Conchu's I think he no, is. Well, isn't th- it a, a, canonically it's like the pressures of being the Avatar's fractured his psyche? Isn't that what it is? Okay. that's what so, causes. But, but his even so, condition. like they they can still use that to an extent if they're trying to again lie low. 
they can kind of consciously consciously lie low, if you know what I mean. You consciously use the persona that is the most so sort of lie low and then stitch his personality hey. back together. <laughs> I mean, we already have a live action Finding Nemo here, so why not a live action Finding and stitch? The Gus situation, like, let's pull one out for Gus. Gus oh. one, uh, as we should say, yeah. to differentiate him R. from R. Gus fish. two. Uh, that happened to a version of that happened to my partner Lizzie when she was a kid. Uh, she had a budgie called uh, Sammy, mm. and her dad was cleaning out the cage of the budgie in the garden. Opened the little cage oh, no. door, bird immediately Freedom! fucked up. Yes, uh, yeah, Sammy flew away, and uh, so he just went out and bought a very, very similar bird, and she didn't know for years until down the line wow. she found wow. out. Okay, I was going to say, does she know now? She knows or now. Is this, <laughs> this isn't the way this that she finds out. Okay. <laughs> that would be strange. Same thing happened with my sister. What you what had a sister? You? She disappeared, and then your dad found a very similar looking sister and put her in the house. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Maybe you should explore it in another podcast. That was dark. Yeah. Yeah. Or in a therapy <laughs> session, maybe. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's fine. It's water under the bridge. <laughs> That's not what happened, by the way, in case I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god oh, this has gone so wrong <laughs> you're getting in some Irish changeling oh, mythology yeah. there yeah. This is, this is dark you're his sister now get on with it <laughs> anyway um, what else do we like about this episode this this fun episode what do we whenever um, the end with the jackal and the appearance of Mark and Moon Knight do the jackal Helen I'm not going to do the jackal that is C- CJ Craig's thing it's a West Wing reference you it would is, understand, you would understand. You just said Greg's like, we, got really we, hungry again. Yeah, but speaking of Greg's, kind of, not really, we've skipped over the cupcake cup, the cupcake truck chase, which is oh, magnificent. Yeah, the poor cupcakes. I was worried and they the were going to And the fact that he's hurt. listening to Wham! while he's yeah. driving along, which is amazing. I mean, just magnificent music choices throughout the episode, really. Um, but Wham! was particularly incongruous. Oh, there I go again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure you could drive a cupcake shop but a cup, no. <laughs> How many again. cups does a cupcake have if a cupcake can something? Right, What's in exactly. that bottle? Let me, let, me, let me start again. I'm not sure how fast a cupcake delivery truck can drive in reverse. This feels down like a, an exam question. What? Exactly, yeah. what is the flight speed of an unladen cupcake truck? If Stephen Grant is being chased by Swiss mercenaries <laughs> yeah. at 70 miles an hour and he's in a cupcake cup. Cup, specificity, specificity, specificity. Anthropomorphic personifies. Got it. Nailed it first time. Anthropomorphic personification. Try that. Anthropomorphic personification. Yes, look at that. Look at that. Your first step into a larger world. A truck full of cupcakes for you, Chris. Oh, I would live large and not for very long. Truck full of cupcakes. But yeah, there's not a lot of action. I would say. I remember that sequence fondantly. Oh. It's a great joke, but that was, clearly, that was that was clearly not fond of nicing. That was buttercream. Oh God, here we I go. Mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe a Swiss meringue buttercream or something, but come on. What I was going to say before James, I, I don't even want to put a label on what James just did, um, is that I we've seen so many Marvel action sequences, we've seen so many car chases, so many shootouts that I genuinely enjoyed more the action sequence we didn't get to see and seeing Steven sort of blip in and out of yeah. his own consciousness. And as you said, that he kind of <laughs> comes back into his own body and suddenly everyone's dead and he's driving he's like, on a cliff. I, I, can, and... I can see I've upset you. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. <laughs> it's great. It like It's such, it, it has all the fun and the energy that you want from an action sequence. Mm. It just doesn't give you the action, yeah. which is genius. It is amazing. Yeah. It's it, phenomenal. And just with his hand covered in blood and a scarab. Yeah, no, 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 this yeah. bleeding Amazing. scarab is oh, brilliant. So those bits were pretty brutal. I mean, you know, Feige said that this is, you know, the show will take a dark, dark tone and take some dark paths. But that that moment, I love that, by the way, that little visual shortcut that Mohamed Diab has, uh, has found here, which, as you know, he said in the interview, was actually suggested by official effects supervisor trying to save money. So it's just like, instead of doing these fight scenes and whatnot, can we just like, Cut really quickly to the aftermath of everything. Mm. And that's the sound effect really with that fun. sort of... Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because I, another thing the show does really interestingly is taking DID seriously-ish mm-hmm. to an extent, you know, within the confines, obviously, of the superhero shenanigans that are going on. And there's little help hotline numbers at the end if you're affected by mental health issues. And that may be something that they explore a little bit more. But that's that sense of fugue state, that sense of dislocation mm-hmm. that yeah. people suffering from DID will, will experience when they're waking up and they don't really know what the hell they're doing and how they got there. That's all. That, that's a really fertile uh, ground for mm. drama here. And I'm, I'm glad that they haven't played it for a horror trope, which is the way that that is kind of often makes its way to the screen. Like I, <laughs> like no, <laughs> no, oh, no, no. <laughs> what? Did you hear something? <laughs> one that's a spoiler. Cut it out. No one can know about Gabriel. Um, <laughs> But you think of something like, I'm not a huge fan of Split. I really wanted to enjoy mm. Split, but just seeing the way that it, obviously it's play, t- playing it in a very heightened way, but it's the easy option, it feels, to take that to go full situation and, yeah. and to go like, ah, this person's the villain. Ah, one of the personalities is going to stab you. And I guess there's a little bit of that element it's here. But, but quite a he, bit of stabbing, yeah. Yeah, it's a decent <laughs> amount of stabbing. But at the same time, he is the heroic character and it's more that, you know... Those were bad people. They yeah. were shooting him. They yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely villainous. He was just trying to get back to his date, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the steak. Oh, the audience the steak. What part of the steak would you like? Was the it what part of the steak? Bit. Was it? Yeah. What, the best bit. Yeah. The best bit. Yeah. How how would you like it? Very good. Oh yeah, very like, good. yeah, very good. Like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's great in that moment, I have to say, because oh, so they do that they, they do that very, very slow push in on him. Yeah. And it goes from the just the you know the wide shot of him sitting at the table. And then it just finishes in this tight close-up of this this man who's just in utter torment yeah. because he uh. can't remember anything but and he's lost it's time. partly that and also like he had this date with this woman who he thought was wildly obviously he was so excited and he's missed it by like two days mm. Mm. yeah and it was Poor I think Steven. Mark who asked her out I think or was it another person oh, I don't think you it keep was keep al- alluding to another person I don't think it was I think there is another person there, there is another, another. another. Mm, okay. Spencer <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if it was Frank Spencer is the other personality. <laughs> no, her name isn't Bessie. So yeah. Hilariously, I don't know how many of our listeners will actually know some others do have them or know what we're talking about. It's, and quite, it's difficult. I don't think it's available. It's not. And it's what is it? Yeah. Is it mid to is it even late seventies? I don't it's, know. It's nineteen seventies. So it's a sitcom mm. that came out in the BBC in nineteen seventies. It made Michael Crawford's name essentially. And Michael Crawford plays a character called Frank Spencer, who is a walking disaster zone. <laughs> Lovely man means well, has the best of intentions, but is just attracts disaster to him. Uh, some incredible slapstick. Michael yeah. Crawford performed all his own stunts. And honestly, you look at some of these stunts he performed yeah. and you have no idea how he's still alive. <laughs> but it's so, well, I'm, I'm going to say so funny, but I suspect if we watched it now, we'd also yeah. be horrified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suspect we might, yes. At the time, in the other time mm. that it aired, yes. uh, it was it was funny. But he, he talked like that, didn't he? He did, oh, yeah. And had a berry and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, should we have some listener questions? Yeah. Yes, right. please. Some, other, <laughs> some motherfuckers do have them. Um, all right. Here's one from at Sean23. And this actually references what we've, we've just been talking about. Have we just witnessed the most villainous moment in the entire MCU? Ordering a well done steak <laughs> as the kitchen is closing. That was a genuinely interesting thing that, that leapt out at me. The fact that the waiter volunteered to cook it well done. This is a professional waiter at a good steak restaurant. The best, best steak restaurant restaurant in London, we're best told. Best in town, yeah. And he is not just allowing a well done steak to leave the kitchen, but encouraging a well done steak to leave the kitchen. No, no, no. I don't eat steak, but if I did, I would absolutely eat it well done. Of course you would, because but that's <laughs> like just, just to put that in context, that's what Donald Trump asks for. Okay, he has thanks, a well Helen. done steak <laughs> with with ketchup. If I mean I'd have brown sauce, but sure. Okay. If you don't need it eat it well done, then it has enough juiciness itself that you don't need so much ketchup. James, you need no, to come no, around yeah. you need to come around mine. You need brown sauce. I will cook you a steak I literally that will change came your around life. Your house recently you did not cook me steak, but No, uh, but my wife cooked an amazing chili. Amazing chili. She did have an amazing, amazing chili. chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I have to say, I'm not a very good cook. I do an amazing steak. An amazing steak, if I do say so myself. Cool. Mm, primo, I mean, primo quality. What's the steak. secret? Uh, marination 
is is important. Good so meat. lots of yeah, very good meat as the well. Best bits, the best bits, the best bit, yeah. the best bit. Very good, very good. <laughs> uh, and, and listen, I, I, I'm going to give the waiter a pass because the guy says very good. And so he I might, yeah. in his in his adult state, he might think that very good equates to well done. So he's going, I'll, I'll have it for you, well done, sir. I, I think, like, I get that he thinks that this is a guy who knows nothing about steak. And I, I understand that. But I still feel like it would be almost against that weight of religion. Yeah, you say that. I think if he, he knows, he looks at this guy and he knows that if he, he gets him a medium or medium rare and there's a bit of blood in that steak... He's going to send it back. I think you're overestimating. Like I've been into Nando's many times. At no point has someone said, are you sure you want lemon and herb? Are you absolutely positive? <laughs> I honestly sell. I do recommend the medium or the hot. I can't in good conscience sell you the lemon and herb. Just to be clear, you want the chicken well done in Nando's. <laughs> you do want the ch- that's a very different thing. You yeah. do want yeah. the chicken yeah. well done. There's yeah. no yeah. argument Definitely. for me on that. But yes. I, I related to him as somebody who doesn't really know what the different cuts of steak are. I, I wouldn't know what steak to order. That's totally no, fine. I. No, I don't have a problem with that bit. I have a problem with the well done bit. Mm. No problem with But see so how you minimise the food poisoning, surely. I used to be a well done guy. <laughs> if you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. Uh, and now I'm kind of rare. <laughs> but now, but then for years and years and years, I was well done. And then one day I you just tried up. someone's yeah. medium and. <laughs> <laughs> and it was juicier than you could possibly have imagined. <laughs> he never went back. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But anyway, I tried a bit of someone's medium steak, and it was incredible. Like you know, general, g- genuine epiphany. So you should you should try it. It's great. Do not be afraid of the blood oozing. <laughs> no, <laughs> just no. Yeah, well, nobody's saying you have to go rare and have blood oozing everywhere. But or like a, blue a medium, steak. a medium would be is much better than well done. Yeah, the taste, the the texture, everything the texture, about everything about it. Yeah. Primo. Hashtag anyway, justice for Luma. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. Uh, Question about why is my question is simply why is Oscar Isaac so damn awesome? Um, I'm not sure oh, we, we have d- enough we time. Have that kind of time, kind of time. Yeah. On that awesomeness, though, I love like it was one of the things in the cover feature of the magazine that the accent and everything was Oscar Isaac's idea. Yes. They were like, we want to different. We don't want to do the Batman thing. We want to do a different version of this character. And Oscar Isaac comes in and just like, guys, guys, whatever thought like this. I've had and a thought. Like, that's it. That's that's what <laughs> we want. The brilliant thing is, and he's talked about this, that genuinely one of his touch points for this character was Carl Pilkington in an idiot abroad. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is just I mean, how do you go where how do you make that connection and say, Oscar, Oscar, we'd love you to play one of the new Marvel superheroes? He goes, guys, I've got a take. Is bear with me, bear with me. It's Carl Pilkington. And they're like, <laughs> what? But let me fair play to him because it works 100%. And genuinely, like, I enjoy this show. But if you didn't have that iteration of Stephen Grant, this would, for me, would not be anywhere near what it is. Because I don't don't think many people know what Moonlight is. And I I haven't read a lot of Moonlight comics, but I've read enough uh, over the years, like this Mm. this sort of stuff that came up in the 1970s. And it's fine. It's okay. But he's always like, I don't even say maybe C-list character. He's had a bit of a renaissance in, in recent years. He's been, you know, given a slightly different... Yeah, he's been retconned a little bit and made a little bit cooler. Um, but the the whole Stephen Grant billionaire thing just made him a bit more like Marvel's Batman, and mm. this is so far removed from that. Yeah. It's absolutely not Marvel's Batman in any way, shape, or form. It's kind of maybe, as you said, Marvel's born Marvel's yeah because he kills leaders. motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, mm. he does. He does. He doesn't fuck around. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting things, and they, you know they 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 take a lot of liberties with the source material. I, I did chuckle. Whenever he finds the hidden phone and there's lots of calls from Layla, the only other missed call on his phone is from a character called Duchamp. And Duchamp is his sidekick in the comic books. He is a Frenchman whose nickname is Frenchie. So <laughs> you can see why it be why they gave that a swerve. <laughs> For this one, they're going to give themselves a bit of a run up to bring in Duchamp to the, uh, to the big screen. Uh, here's a question from at Harry Met Movies. As someone who suffers with disassociative disorder, I'm holding my breath that this doesn't show it in the usual way. Do we think he has more than two personalities? I do. I've gone, I've already said it. I think he has more than two personalities. He certainly does in the comic books. I think he has more here. Yes. 
I mean, it would make sense for them to do that as well. Like already just what we've seen Oscar Isaac being great at playing this version of the character, you just look at it and go, I will see you play as many people within this one person as possible. If you've got him able to do that and inhabit these characters in different ways, I would love to see more. Um, And yeah, like I said before, it it already feels kind of refreshing to see him playing that story and it not having him be the villain um, already feels like a a nice move. So um, even though it's taking place on a a heightened plane uh, and it's it's to an extent having fun with it, it seems to also be taking it seriously enough to the extent that you should probably take this kind of thing a bit seriously. Hmm. Yeah, I just hope they they get the balance right. with exactly that kind of thing, you know. Um, it is not going to be, I'm sure, authentic <laughs> to to real-life experience, um, pretty much by definition, because there is an Egyptian god involved. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, hopefully it won't, you know, sort of set the cause back. I think I think they genuinely want to do right by yeah. DID yeah. in this. Again, as far as you can mm. within the confines of a show like this. Mm. So we'll see how that pans out in, in future episodes. At Earth's mixtape, just anticipating the transit question, too late. Uh, is there anything to say he didn't transfer to another bus before getting off at TCR? Or Tottenham Court Road is. I, I well, like well, TCR didn't look anything like TCR would be my bigger problem. Yeah, but. that's also true. And also, like, he's in a massive, like, flurry at that point. He seems like he's genuinely freaked out. He seems like he gets off at the next stop after all of that goes down, or pretty much, pretty close to it. The idea that he gets off stands there flapping, gets on another bus, continues <laughs> flapping, and then gets off the bus at his destination. Seems like a bit of a stretch to me. A lot of to flapping. be fair, that mm. is my commute every day. Being pursued by Ethan Hawke. Uh, that's another thing that took me out of the episode slightly, apart from obviously the geographical issues. Of course. Uh, was he goes to the museum, Ethan Hawke is there, essentially threatens his life, finds out that there's a whole bunch of the museum staff who are in on it. Mm. And then I would run for my life at that point. I wouldn't stick around and finish my shift, which is what he does. Yeah, it's weird because he seems to be going into work in the morning, question Mm -hmm. mark. And Mm -hmm. he's on a late shift. So maybe he's going in in the afternoon, but he's certainly on a late shift. So he's there after closing time. It doesn't appear to be coming up on closing time when... Closing time. Thank you. When he meets Ethan Hawke. So so what, he he escapes into a a party of, you know, tour guidees. Maybe he goes kind of backstage. Maybe he goes down into the the basement and just stays there all day and thinks he's going to be safe there. I don't know. But like you say, there are staff involved, so. Mm. Surprised Donna's not in on it all. You know, his chief tormentor. His real adversary. One thing I will say, though, is that I'm glad that already in this episode we get a couple of scenes of him and Ethan Hawke together. Like, yes, do that. Don't don't wait a long time to, to get your really great leading man and your really great leading villain man mm. together. Like, yes, get them straight on Villain the or misunderstood? <laughs> <sighs> Don't you even... I cannot stress you enough. Um, question mark. Um, so Ethan, no, he's, he's Stephen for most of thanks. the <laughs> Question. He met Ethan Hawke, uh, who was clearly well established in Switzerland, question mark. Hmm. Not question mark. One word. Anyway. And then he gets back to London, where Ethan Hawke has also been recruiting extensively. I'm just saying he gets around for a guy who's very underground and doesn't seem to be well known yet. It's the sandals. Are they Hermes' sandals? More or less what gets him around. Just just saying. So you reckon he has walked from the Alps to London? With glass in his shoes. With glass in his shoes. In two days. Terrific. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. he gets around in IKEA trucks, which is why he's in London, but he's also in Sweden. <laughs> it was Switzerland, but I appreciate the answer. <laughs> maybe it was Lindor trucks. or a Milka truck. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, or Toblerone. <laughs> maybe he's like maybe he's like Alan Partridge. He's just he's driving barefoot to Dundee, eating <laughs> a massive bar. They put him in a in a giant Toblerone like a sarcophagus. <laughs> And cut, cut him around. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's got a lot of cult followers in both places and he moves around fast. We can all agree so. that Ethan Hunt's character, Arthur Harrow, is indeed a massive Ethan cult. Hunt's Ethan Hunt's character. character. Ethan <laughs> Hunt's a whole different show. <laughs> Holy shit. Whatever Helen's had is catching. Well, I've ruined my joke now. I'm doing, I'm doing it anyway. I'm doing it anyway. Fuck you guys. Well, I think we can all agree 
that Ethan Hawke's character <laughs> nailed it. Smooth. Arthur Harrow. Arthur yeah, Harrow. <laughs> what was the second bit? I don't know. Oh yes, is a massive cult. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's really good. Pause. Seamless. Sid Lichtenstein says, I noticed the Kevin Feige production credit at the end, which I believe was also in Hawkeye, and in recent movies like Eternals. Why do you think that is? Because I think he's probably had an HR meeting, and, <laughs> and they've gone, what would you like? And he goes, I'd like a Kevin Feige production to be on all these things. Maybe do we attribute the rise of Spunk? Just to make clear, you know you saw Marvel at the start of this thing, that does not mean it's a Kevin Feige production. Just saying. Just saying. I, I think it, Maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. It, it should be a mark of quality. It, it certainly historically pretty much has been. And uh, and maybe it's also a little bit, what can we do to sweeten this guy's deal? Because we need him. We love him. Oh, my God. He's the bestest um, over at Disney HQ, you know. So I, I think you could both be right, maybe. You're both right. You're both right. I believe he asked for a credit at the end of Morbius that says not a Kevin Feige production just to make it like super clear. <laughs> and then followed by another title screen. I mean, we don't know because we haven't seen Morbius yet. No. But followed by another title screen going, no, really guys, not no. a Kevin Feige production. And another title card going, Kevin Feige had nothing to do with this. And then it's a series of slides of things Kevin Feige was doing other than producing Morbius, <laughs> water skiing, <laughs> mountaineering, <laughs> jigsaw puzzles. Anyway, John C666. As everyone agreed that Mark accidentally killed Stephen's goldfish and tried to replace it without Stephen noticing, just like Ben's fiance and indeed my sister. Uh, Also, what was with the sand around the bed? That was clearly so he would know if he was sleepwalking. Yeah, because Swipe has the tape on the door as well. Yeah. I thought that was like a a salt circle. For oh, spooky reasons, out. it's like, hey, no, this is a country I mean, free no, zone. No, it's, it's, it's definitely mm. sand, not salt, as you would know if you'd watched enough Supernatural. I mean, <laughs> it's very clear. Also, then. his nips were in, so, you know. Yeah, and it's not a complete circle, <laughs> so it just wouldn't work. Does, does he get his nips out? I think oh, we can so. reveal that, can't we? Yeah, no, no nips. Episodes two, three, or four? Yeah. Does he, They're nipple free, to the I best of my recollection. I think we see... So I, is Supernatural. That never stopped you there, <laughs> did it? I think we see Oscar Isaac's nipples. I don't know that we do. I think we do. Well, we'll keep an eye on the nipples as the episodes go on as the weeks tick past. Uh, Saint Wright asks, do you think we'll get an episode from one of the other POVs? Hmm. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be very cool. It would be like this, but it's all action. And then when (laughs) he has to go and do like a mundane task, it just just snaps and he's already done it. And to finish off the show, we have a couple of questions, of course, from our good old pal, Fal Shopaholic. Uh, most of which you've answered, so sorry, Val. Uh, but she does say, Engelbert Humperdinck opening the series, of course, it's still in technically, but you know, I know what you mean, is something I never expected in the MCU in a million years. Throw in George Michael and Wham. Can we expect Katrina and the Waves in episodes <laughs> to come? We can but hope. Uh, I can't reveal anything about what we can expect. Uh, I think we're going to get Dancing in the Moon Nights. Oh, boy. That would be Dancing in the not the top loaded version no? that's like one of my least favourite songs what, what version do you like? there's an original version before that which I wasn't aware of until I don't I can't remember but there's there's an older version of that song that's kind of funky and kind of cool and it doesn't start with a guy going almost every night which is one of the worst sounds any human has ever made <laughs> whatever happened to the top loader whatever it was it wasn't painful enough <laughs> no I hope they're thriving <laughs> Yeah, less, uh, less glass in the shoes, more glass in the ears for me. Whoa, whoa, ben. whoa, whoa. Ben. That's up to them. That's how I feel listening yeah, to okay. that song. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Nicely vehicle reverse there. <laughs> Reversing that vehicle just like Mark Spector <laughs> slash Spencer slash Stephen Grant. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely wild. Nice save. Very, very good. I'm worried now that I've created this persona of serial killer for Ben and <laughs> yeah. and he's and now he's playing up to, up to it. it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Willing my dark passenger into existence. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, but that's what happens when you, you take something like Ben and you anthropomorphize it. Got it. Nailed it. I enjoyed the specificity of that reference. <laughs> it's specificity. <laughs> I think it was when I was um, reading my book, 
Women versus Hollywood, available now in all the good and evil news agents. Um, Is that the full title of the book? No. <laughs> I, there was one word I literally couldn't say, and I had to say a different word on the audiobook than in the. Really? Yeah. What was the word? It was, it was in fairness, it was after a long day. <laughs> it was after a long day of, of reading my own words and cringing every other sentence. But I think it was peculiarity. I think I just Ooh. couldn't do peculiarity. That day. What did you choose? You just say like weirdness. I think I went with strangeness. Or something. It was literally like that. There was just one word. I think leave it in. Peculiarity. Well, it was literally that like that at the point. It was like, no, there was no word there anymore. It was wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, as you can tell, we've reached the end yes. of this podcast. Uh, that is it for our episode one dissection, razor sharp, laser focused yeah. dissection yeah. of episode one of Moon Knight. Join us next week for more Moon Knight related fun uh, when we will keep the Stephen Grantisms to a minimum. Will, will we though? I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Thing, I don't know. No, I yeah. think I think it's, it's, it's here to stay. We found it's yeah. quite fun to go around just talking like this it's all the time. It's hard to stop, I find, once you Very start. Very hard. It's very hard difficult. indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a real problem, actually. <laughs> I, might, real I problem. might try and keep this up until the next one of these. Like, oh, God. Keep it, stay in character for yeah, a week. Yeah, like so, Oscar did, but, you know, for a week. Famously, like, just, when Robert yeah. Carlyle was in Cracker, yeah. he was playing a scouse. Albie. Yeah, yeah Albie. Yeah, yeah, he was playing a, a, a Liverpudlian. Mm. And he stayed in accent all the time. And one of his friends called him up at three in the morning to, and he answered the phone in a scouse accent. Wow. It's true. Well, I mean, um, Bridget Jones, you know, Renee Zellweger did the same thing. British accent from weeks, weeks, months at a time. Right. If we keep doing it enough, we might get good at it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't think I don't, so. I don't think there's a great risk of that. No. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think we've got a laugh like it yeah, now. Yeah. Right. Anyway, that's it for uh, episode one of our Moon Knight spoiler special. Uh, join us next week for more Moon Knight related fun where we'll be talking about episode two, which I've seen. And so James have I. has seen. Yeah. You fuckers haven't. Yeah. Ha ha ha. It's good though. Yeah, it's really Is that good. a spoiler? No spoiler. I enjoyed it. Right. It, it will be a spoiler next week when we talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, until then, until we meet again, until the auspicious occasion, let's goodbye for my three colleagues of such Lee for Cunning, Helen O'Hara, Toodaloo, Ben Travis. Bye, bruv. Bye, bruv. <laughs> and James Dyer. I'll, I'll, I'll see, see you next week. That, that'll be great. Yeah, I'll see you next week as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Should we, should we do a, a synchronised latest gators? Yeah. yeah. Right. Three, two, one. Ladies, Ladies gators. gators. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.